Welcome to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. My name is Andrea Wilson-Woods, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Cancer U. Join me each week as I interview cancer patients, caregivers, survivors, and providers about their cancer journeys. You're listening to Cancer Youth Thrivers, where real people share true stories. Randy is a featured spokesperson for the Colon Cancer Alliance and a stage four cancer survivor. He was featured on CNN's special investigation, Saving Your Life, hosted by Dr. Sanjay Gupta. Randy appeared on CBS's Health Watch Colorectal Cancer Digestive Health Awareness webcast, hosted by Dr. Travis Stork of The Doctors. He was previously a board member for the National Colon Cancer Coalition based in Minnesota. Randy, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. Thank you, great to be here. Hello. So I can't wait. So tell us, take us back. I know it's been a long time. Uh, take us back to the very beginning. When did your cancer journey start? You know what, it, um, it started a long time ago. It started about 20, over 20 years ago. Um, it started when I was actually 32. Uh, so I was 32 and I was having symptoms. This was back in the day before Katie Couric's husband passed away and we kind of had a national conversation about uh, colorectal cancer. So um, I went to a doctor and I was told that it was just an internal hemorrhoid. I didn't have, uh, 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 you know, I, I wasn't aware of colon cancer. Um, what were the symptoms? I, Can you tell us? Uh, I was them? bleeding. I was blood, blood, blood in the stool, okay. uh, dark uh, blood, um, and I was told by a doctor that knowing now, I mean, didn't really do, uh, the, she didn't do the fecal occult, she just did a digital exam and uh, told me it was an internal hemorrhoid, and don't worry about it, that it'll bleed from time to time. So I just took that at, at face value. Again, I was, you know, I was young, um, had, uh, my wife and I had our two daughters, and um, just kind of went on with my life. And two years later, uh, my wife and I had moved to Florida. I live in Southern California. And we moved from uh, LA area uh, to, to Florida and uh, to Orlando. Um, and I started a new job there. Uh, okay. I was doing the marketing for Arnold Palmer Golf. And my wife was working at Disney, was uh, working in feature animation. Um, and within six months, I was just getting really sick not feeling great. And one day we went to a place called Twisty Treat, which if you've been to Orlando or Florida, it's a, it's a gigantic building that's an ice cream cone. And, uh, it's awesome. <laughs> now I'm going to check it out. <laughs> it was next to our house and it's a soft serve ice cream. And we went there and got a Twisty Treat with our kids on a Sunday. And uh, we went shopping. And within just uh, pretty soon after eating that, I almost passed out at the store. Uh, really? Uh, and just felt horrible. And my wife said, I just turned ashen um, and went to the doctor the following day for just said, I don't know what's going on. And they saw me and they, I told them about my symptoms and the doctor did a digital exam, uh, did a, uh, a sigmoidoscopy. Okay. Um, Can you tell people what that is? Oh, that is using a, um, uh, a camera basically at the end of a, of a, like a metal, 
It's basically like the wand that you fix your car with when you're looking in your engine. Oh, no. I, guess, <laughs> I guess that's the only way I can describe it. So, that's good. That's a good visual. Right, can kind we kind of like get it? Like a bendable light wand okay. um, that you can use. Uh, and uh, God, I hope it wasn't the same one. Um, <laughs> and they, Did you have to do the... Um, Oh, the stuff to clean your system out beforehand? Nothing really. He did a oh. check right then and there. Okay, okay. Well, that's good. All right. In the office. He would. Uh, yeah, and that was, um, I remember just it being so painful. And um, and I remember the nurse coming up to me after, the doctor doing the exam, leaving. The nurse coming up to me after, and she was really concerned, started talking to me. And she said, you know what? It's Okay. Um, I know people that have had cancer and they've survived. They've done okay. So no one had said anything. Um, he had not said the word cancer. No, nothing had said, no. And she's just, <sighs> you know, if, if that's if that's what, she made it sound like she knew and she was giving me a little bit of a, so um, of course I was panicked and they scheduled me for all my scans. And I went, lit, lit, from that day, I think I went for that week for, um, a colonoscopy, I think like it was probably that day or the following day. Mm -hmm. And I think it was Monday and on the following Thursday, the same week I was already in surgery. Um, wow. so they moved me quick. I remember that night. I remember going from there, having that, and then him sending me to um, uh, another doctor, uh, an oncologist, um, and just moving very quickly. So again, this is um moving to florida for two years with just my wife um our two daughters they were like 10 and 5 and already dealing with just being sad about leaving your home and all your friends and family basically that just your your life just stops right right went through the whole process you know the whole all the scenes you see in the movie where you sit at a table with your wife and the couples there and the doctors on the other side of the big desk and telling you that you have cancer and that they're going to do surgery. And, and so it all just happened so fast. Um, so I went through a resection at MD Anderson in Orlando um, and that went well. And then went through chemo, went through uh, 5FU and um, went through, had my port installed, port where they put in <clears throat> your cancer. And it was just, um you know six months a year of, of dealing with all of that so did you understand like did they tell you right away what stage it was in and then where had it metastasized yeah there was it did not metastasize at that point they found it just in the lower and the sigmoid colon they weren't sure how big it was because they they were either going to do uh, laparoscopic or they were going to go in and manually you mm -hmm. know do a regular incision and I remember there was the doctor, my oncologist had a younger doctor who was working with him. And the younger doctor, I thought they were great because there's, they, I remember them telling me, you're young, we want to, we want to hit you with everything we can. We, we want to be very aggressive with the treatment and we want to actually visually, we want to visually get in there and see where you're at mm -hmm. and how it spread. Um, and, and the thing he, the phrase he used, um, cancer people also have a lot of gallows humor, right? right. There, we write, that's how we survive we, or that's how we deal. So I remember him telling me, you know, we're going to get it and we're going to throw it in the bucket. And that, that imagery of having a bucket there was <laughs> horrific, 
but yet hilarious. Right. And I remember him saying that we're just going to get it out and we're going to throw it in the bucket. And I'm like, you know, I, that, that imagery actually helped me. Because it, so? like it, 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 it felt like it was something they could just grab and get out. And I just wanted it out. Did they take a portion of your colon out? Is that sort of the typical? They did, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I went through um, that surgery. And again, uh, being that age, I wasn't, um, I was kind of normal. I didn't really drink too much. I didn't, um, didn't do drugs, didn't, uh, didn't eat a lot of red meat and all those different things. Um, so it just came out of nowhere, at least is what I thought. And then being sick. For the first time because even when i had cancer before the surgery i felt sick obviously those last days but i didn't feel like i had this illness for a long time and then all of a sudden going through surgery healing from surgery where resection is you know the whole going from your belly button below it all the way up um was a, you know a big surgery uh and going through that process then feeling better from the surgery, at least healing, and then starting chemo, which was um, really, really rough. Um, you know, it's, uh, again, everybody, it's different. It's been 20 years, so treatments have changed. Um, but it was, it was, a, it was difficult. It was, uh, uh, but, you know, the idea was to hit it with everything. And my wife was my coach. My wife is the one who researched and um, uh, really was the one that got me through it. And then uh, wonderful doctors. So that was the first part of the cancer. And then went through, uh, probably finished my cancer treatments, my chemo, and um, looked good. They did a CAT scan, looked fine. And my wife was learning more and more and saying, you know what, I think you should do a PET scan so you could really look and see more to, at a cellular level uh, what's going on. By that time, we had just moved back to uh, California. Okay. I started a job. I was working for Buca de Beppo restaurants. You've heard oh, of I love those yeah, restaurants. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. After I finished chemo, I couldn't find work. And uh, I was hired by Buca, which was a small, at that point, they only had maybe like uh, two or three restaurants. And um, I came in and started working and opening restaurants and doing marketing and, and really enjoying it. And within six months from uh, working with Buca, um, and finishing chemo, so trying to still just work and look normal and healthy. And I didn't tell them that I had cancer. So you didn't? No, I didn't want anybody to know. Wow. At that okay. point, uh, at that point, I had been hired, by, or I was about to get hired from a company that uh, was going to hire me. And then I told them that I had cancer, and they did not. Um, they dropped the offer then and there. So, Isn't that kind of against the law? <laughs> it sure is. But you know what? When you're, this again, 20 years ago, and when right. you're um, trying to find work, you know, it's it's one of those things. So um, I didn't want to take my chances. And I also didn't want people to think I was sick. I got, I remember I, I was working, the president and I, we, all of us, we got along great. Everybody was working hard. Um, and then it hit me. And I remember sitting him down and telling him my history and saying, you know, I was just diagnosed again. So what happened? I'm sorry, I'm jumping. Uh, they did a PET scan um, after I finished chemo, and they found out that it metastasized to my liver. So okay, so yeah, so it was stage four now. Stage four now. Okay, and for people who don't know, so PET scans, it's just a different kind of imaging. It's nuclear um, imaging. So, okay, so then what? 
so that was start, you know, a quick process. What do we do? But I remember telling my boss that uh, I'm, I'm going to have to do this battle again. And this is my history. And, uh, you know, I just want to be up front. And I remember him telling me, you know what, we, we love you here. Um, mm. We've got a good relationship. We'll, we'll back you up. Whatever you need, we're here. And ah. uh, I'm very grateful. Buka was, uh, was, was just fantastic. We went to, uh, I tried to get treatment here in California. The first place we went to said, you know what, you had just gone through chemo. We're not recommending you go through chemo again. At this point, it's probably spread, well, it has spread. Chances are it's going to be spreading its three-year lymphatic system, mm -hmm. lymph nodes, which is the highway, which right. is why it's in the liver, and it you know, could possibly go probably next to your brain and go through. So let's start talking a little more palliative here. Um, which is that's basically your end of life or um, making you comfortable uh, as you go through this. My wife basically said, no, that's not an option. And uh, I kind of went along with her on that one. Yeah. <laughs> and what, I mean, what are you now? Like still like 34? I'm like 36, 35, okay. 36. Yeah. We found a doctor in Chicago. Uh, my wife was doing a lot of research. My wife was an attorney, so she was great at doing research. And uh, really wanting to find out the cause, what can we do as opposed to just a lot of the, the safe conversations that were going on with cancer at that time. You know, mm -hmm. the, the idea is that you could just eat anything to keep calories on when you have cancer, which some organizations still talk about. And we, we learned that, you know, sugar feeds cancer. Yeah. And oh yeah. You, um, uh, things that they're doing now, uh, so we changed diets, uh, you know, I say we, but um, uh, changed diets, organics, and again, this was uh, kind of at the beginning of all of that. Found the doctor that could do resection in Chicago and found the Block Center in Evanston, Illinois. Uh, Keith Block at that time was one of the, uh, was doing things a little differently than a lot of the clinics, so he was doing traditional homeopathic, hitting it with um, diet, they had a nutritionist, um, a solid nutritionist there, and then working with um, supplements, you know, heavy fish oils, omegas, um, but based on yourself, so doing a lot of lab work, um, and then hitting it with um, trying to keep you in fighting shape as you went through your fight. So um, I was still, they were, you know, trying to push me to exercise. Uh, I was doing meditation to keep my mind going. Um, and then traditional, I actually went uh, through, uh, so I went through chemo at the Block Center in Evanston, had my surgery in Chicago, came back, healed more, and then went back every month for chemo. Um, oh my goodness. Wow. So um, I would, they had a, um, a melody pump that I was uh, uh, using, which was basically I was getting my chemo pushed uh, through a port, another right. port now, um, rather than just getting a push, a push is where you get the chemo just straight into your arm or into your body, like that two hours, 20 minutes or whatever time. Right. They gave me chemo um, through this pump that would, um, that would more go with my body, more than my biorhythm. So it would give you chemo all the time and then huh. more chemo when you were resting because they felt the efficacy of it was stronger. Yeah, again, I was, I was hitting it with everything. My, uh, uh, they were great. Uh, Keith Block, my doctors there were wonderful, and that was, that was my treatment. So I went through chemo twice, and uh, since then, I've been, I've been fine. It's, 
So it has been, it's over 20 years now. Um, I'm now wow. 57 and uh, I've been, you know, active. It changes your entire life, right? Um, but, uh, but it's been, uh, it's been, it's been a journey. How long was this sort of second treatment? How long did that last? I think that was about six months. Okay. Um, and I remember the chemo, the last couple of treatments I did not take because it was just, it was really, um, really hard on my heart. Really? Okay. I was, it was just, I'd had so much chemo, uh, really building up. I mean, these are two full courses of chemo within two years um, that uh, they were really worried about that. Um, and so we, we stopped for those last couple of treatments, I remember. Um, and, uh, you know, that was scary. You know, do you stop? Do you keep going? What they did was they responded to me and, you know, it was, it was great to have a team. Uh, I think that's, that was one of the, the things that I'd always wanted. Um, and that I was able to get by, by having the doctors, uh, the nutritionists, everybody really working together on the case. Um, so the conversations were going through. Uh, uh, that was, I was very fortunate. How did you get that team together? Um, you know, was it organic or can you talk a little bit more about that? And who was the lead on the team? Because what I have found is that it really varies from one center to another. Um, and even within one center, the lead can vary and it's often the doctor who diagnosed the cancer, whether it's right. the specialist in that organ or the oncologist or the surgeon. So tell us a little bit more about so that. So I, I think there was a couple things. I think the, the core link was my wife. Okay. Having an advocate, right? To make sure that um, whatever hospital, where I was going, they knew what was going on. I mean, we, we would do tricks. We would, you go to the doctor so many times, you, you knew when a doctor had actually looked at your chart. <laughs> Right. Or they came inside and saw you. Yep. Right. I mean, you could tell. You and, could. Oh, of course. And so we would always, um, we would actually call it out, you know, like, you know, I, I know you haven't gone through the case, you know, but here, take a look. Um, so we had all of those. Uh, we were kind of aware of that. Um, we didn't suffer. Uh, we didn't suffer fools in that respect. Nice. But also respected and were grateful for the doctors and the, and the people. Our nurse was great. Uh, with that, part of it, I was part of a, of a, of, um, of a study uh, when I was first diagnosed at MD Anderson. So I was part of the protocol. Mm. Um, and uh, actually, I was part of the, I found out later I was in the control group. And, were. and um, but because I was in that study, they did keep better records. They, they, they watch things a little bit more. So if there's any opportunity to be in a study, it does help because that keeps, um, they keep a closer eye on that. Um, uh, I found out later that that study, um, about five, seven years ago, I was contacted by uh, one of the, from the hospital and they, they tracked me down, wanted to know how I was doing and um, told them everything was fine. This is, you know, what's happened. And, um, I found out that in this study that I was the only survivor. Um, yeah. What? Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, I mean, that, that was, I know she said it in a way she thought I was going to be, I started like, I just lost it. Um, <sighs> so, I mean, I'm, I'm really, really fortunate. I mean, I, I, I have, um, that's been kind of the focus. That's why I still stay active. 
um, I try to just be seen. I mean, I just want people to know when I was uh, stage four at 30, you know, 34, 35, I was trying to find people that were in the same boat. Obviously, social media things have changed, they were different. Right. But if I saw people that were going through cancer, they were in their 70s. And the things they were going through were different. I just wanted to see people that had gone through it. So right. part of what I try to do is just um, just let people know that I'm here. And there's a lot more of us. Yes, there's a lot of people getting diagnosed, but there's a lot of people that are coming through it right. um, at stage four. And you know, you know too, dealing with cancer, you've seen people that um, don't make it when they're stage two. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And see, so it's you know it's it's never you never know it's it's a it's a horrible thing, um, and uh, you know so but there's also some great things that we get from it, right? Um, so anyway, that's kind of uh, uh, that was a bit of a journey. I kind of went on a few. I want to clarify for people. So yeah. when Randy says um, study, he's yeah. talking about clinical trials yeah, and. Study. If you've taken the proactive patient, you know that's the orientation. We touch briefly on clinical trials, but I really encourage people, um, if you are part of Cancer U and you're watching this, to take our core course about clinical trials. Um, and if, if you're listening to the podcast that's public, then you need to become a member of Cancer U to take the core course about clinical trials. But that's what Randy is referring to is an actual clinical trial. Um, and I've known so many people where a clinical trial um, saved their lives, yeah. um, where they were in the intervention arm. I wanna agree with what you were saying. I had so many doctors tell me that it wasn't possible for anyone to survive stage four liver cancer. And I thought, and this was almost 20 years ago now, I thought that it was statistically impossible that no one could survive it. I thought there has to be. And it took me a while, but I, found five or six people who had survived stage four liver cancer, exactly what my sister had. Um, she did not survive, but I did find these people who had, um, and all of their cancer had metastasized either to their bones um, or their lungs or both. Right. And, I, and they had all been on this very unusual protocol and they were in Japan and I brought it to the doctor's attention and they said, well, their staging method is very different there. And I'm like, stage four is stage four. Right. <laughs> metastases are metastases. I mean, beyond that, I mean, it just, right. you know, and they just wouldn't hear of it. And um, and that particular trial, like the drug, the, the drug that was investigational in that trial still never got approved in the US. Right. And, you know, it just kind of flamed out. And so maybe um, those particular people were exceptions, but I mean, there were people that survived uh, yeah. stage four. So no, there are. And, you know, it's it's um, and it's it's interesting because my wife, um, she did not let me look at any statistics because I would go online and start looking. I think Good. we do. We start you. Know, what's the survival rate? Yeah. And uh, I remember she said, "Do not, don't yep. do that." Yep. And she goes, "They speak to the aggregate. They yep. speak to. They do not speak to the individual." And, um, and she's right because, yeah. you know, statistically, I should not have had cancer at 34. Statistically, I shouldn't have had it, you know, um, stage four. Statistically, I shouldn't be 57 now and sitting here talking to you. Right. So, but I did. So I always tell people don't, 
um, don't 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 do that. Yeah. It, it don't it gets into your head. And yeah. uh, we used to joke that it was um, that it was I had it. She used to joke and said, "You have a really horrible flu, and we're going to give you this really horrible treatment, but you're going to feel better." So that was oh. the joke that it was just I had this the worst flu ever. Um, and it was, of course, you know, but it was, it's a game, but right. it does, it did help. Right. But that's not to say that there were times or that I basically was ready in case I didn't make it, which, yeah. which I think I was. Uh, yeah. And yeah. I appreciate that because we stress inside of Cancer U that um, the statistics are there, but you're not a number. Right. You know, you, you're you, you're a person. Yeah. So um, what was your best moment? during all of this? My best moment? It's been a, it's been a best moment, all of it. Um, it's hard to say one. Okay, so when I had my first, when I went through it the first time, and you think you're not gonna make it, and people hear cancer, they think you're not gonna make it. Right. Um, there's a really, there's a lot of grace that comes to that. It's a, it's a wonderful moment where you clean house, you get rid of those negative people, you get rid of, um, you kind of, uh, in some way, say goodbye. So you yeah. reconnect. And your friends that didn't speak to you, you hadn't seen, there's everybody reconnects. And so you become very open. You tell people you love them. You cherish and you, the moments you have with people are different. You can meet somebody like us. You know, you meet and you have a connection within five minutes right. that you just go with. Um, so people that aren't even, um, that you meet on this journey that our great friends become family and maybe sometimes even family just become friends. So there's all of that, but the ability for people to, I remember having, I still have them. I have like trash bags filled with cards um, for people that sent when I was, um, I came from the restaurant business. I worked at Fridays um, and then I was uh, with Booth and that. So the industry was, was kind of small. And I remember people coming, um, the corporate office uh, from Friday's corporate, they were putting together their miles to get my airline miles so my family could come and visit. Oh, uh, that's amazing. I remember they, uh, they, you know, they gave me hats. People were sending me hats when I was losing my hair. So it was just that ability <laughs> of the best moment was that if I go, I kind of made peace with everybody. I'm good. Mm. That, was, that was really neat. I mean, I don't want to forget that. And I, I still try to live with that. Um, I love that. I think you definitely find out who your friends are. Yeah. For sure. And you find out people that that really want to say something and they can't, and they just don't know. So, I mean, part of it is giving people permission. If you don't know how to deal with it or know how to talk about it, I'm okay. You know, it's just, it's all right. It's, I think it's changed to a lot of, with social media, everybody knows someone that, we all knew we had relatives and family cancer, but now, you hear about it every day. You hear all these things. So I think it, it has a different feeling than it did before. That was that was the good part. What about the worst moment? Wow. I mean, yeah, you've gone through it. How many bad moments? I think one of the worst moments was was when I was going through uh, treatments, chemo, the first time, and we were in Orlando, and my wife would take off of work and drive me, um, and we'd uh, sometimes take our kids and we'd leave our kids at home. And I remember there were, you're being sick, you're going through that roller coaster. Mm -hmm. You know, you, right when you start feeling better from your last treatment is when you go in for your next treatment. 
So right when you start feeling okay, you're going to get sick, and then you're going to go back down, and you know what's coming. You know that if you get it on Monday, on Wednesday, you're going to be, you know, you're going to be throwing up. And I'm sure, you know, you know what you Oh, yeah. You track it. Right? You track it, right? <laughs> yep. Track it yeah, all. So you know. And I remember my wife taking me to chemo one day, and I remember sitting in the passenger seat and looking out the window. And I just, I had lost it. And I remember, I remember begging her, please don't take me. Please don't, um, mm-hmm. please don't take me for chemo. Um, I can't do it. And I remember that. And, and that, I'm, that was a horrible moment that I felt was, um, I, I, to put her through that. Uh, that was rough. Another time was I talked my wife into letting me go to um, get my chemo and my treatment in Chicago by myself because we had been doing it and she was trying to work and you know with our kids and it was so hard we had my family my mom and, uh, my in-laws were helping but i remember saying okay you know what i can do this i'll be and i remember going getting my treatment my chemo being in a hotel room in evanston i don't know if you, you've been there there's a mcdonald's in evanston um and in evanston the mcdonald's is part of a hotel building so <laughs> it doesn't my, surprise me there <laughs> right so my room was right above the McDonald's. On the okay. Corner. And so you imagine if you're sick, you're going through chemo, you're by yourself. I'm there. Oh, Obviously, no. the smell of McDonald's food. Sorry, I, I still crave it. McDonald's fries are great. Oh, fries are amazing. Fries are amazing. Don't eat it if you're cancer proof. But um, uh, that smell was making me sick. Oh God. Chemo, and I spent two days. I think I was in bed that bed for two days and I had an apple with me. I think I ate that apple was the only thing I had for two days. And I don't know how I made it to the airport. I don't know how I, I know I almost passed out and died in that bathroom at the airport in O'Hare. That was the one where I'm thinking, I'm going to die here. But yeah. there was fun moments, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. I, I just, in, in listening to you and um, I haven't really thought about my own Right. Worst moment as the caregiver and just listening, you know, the way you describe your wife. And, um, and I think one of my worst moments was I had been hoping and praying for the words change because we kept hearing no change, no change after the scans, no change. And I just kept hoping that I wanted to hear the words change. And when we finally heard the words change, it was bad news. It never occurred to me that that the word change would be followed by bad news. And I think that was one of my worst moments, especially because that last round of chemo, my sister had done so incredibly well. Like I was like, this is going great. We were in and out, no problems, no pain, no side effects. I mean, she, she had energy and I genuinely thought, okay, things are finally getting better. And, um, and she actually had written in her journal, which, which I didn't read um, for a long time, um, but I didn't read it at the time at all. She knew things were getting worse. She could feel it in her body. Oh. And um, I think that was one of the worst moments for me yeah. because it's like, are, are you kidding me? Like, you know, but I've now found out that that's not uncommon for someone to actually feel very good. Um, but right before the tumors start multiplying. Yeah. How do you look at your life differently now than before you were diagnosed? I never want to forget kind of what you go through. Sometimes you do, you start getting bogged down and then you, and then you have one of those calls, right? You have somebody that calls you that's going through it and wants your advice. Yeah. And it takes you right out. 
it just all of a sudden you're back there and um, it's uh, you're you're helping that person and in some ways it's helping yourself because even though it's horrible and painful at times you don't want to forget I don't want to forget I don't want to forget that there were days that I did not feel at all like I could even cope and the first day remember the first day without pain remember that's those first few days where you don't hurt anymore was I don't want to forget it changed my entire family. It changed all of us. So it wasn't just me. Um, my wife, uh, we decided to do things. Life was short. And you know, we were married. Um, we just celebrated our 35th wedding anniversary. We've been together since high school. Wow. Yeah, we grew up together. Oh, I just got chills. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, which is great. But then when you realize you have like really bad fashion choice pictures together. Um, all these years. Um, so we, uh, um, we kind of did things instead. She was an attorney um, and she's like, I don't want to be an attorney. She, um, she did theater, she catered, um, and she, uh, so basically she set up a couple of different businesses. My wife's amazing. And uh, she set up with my daughter and myself, uh, created a, um, a, a theater company uh, here in, in Claymont Upland. And we'll oh do my god it's awesome yeah we do a shakespeare festival we do um actually in a little bit i've got a leaders theater thing we're working on and we just did who's afraid of virginia wolf and we're doing Clybourne <laughs> park in august osage county we did all these you know so it's that was something that was a passion for us and she said i'm going to do it and she went and back to school got her master's in theater and said i'm going to start this theater company um, wow. My, uh, uh, I was working in the restaurant business consulting. I live in a beautiful town called Claremont. I've been always involved. I'm like, you know what? I don't want to travel anymore. I want to stay kind of home. And so for the, the last couple of years, I'm running the Chamber of Commerce in Claremont, which is total, you know, it's, <laughs> it's really nice, right? I'm kind of, I it's feel a like very cute a, town for people who don't know. Really, yeah, it's you know, very it's a cute. Great, yeah, it's a great place. The colleges, and we've got a lot going on with Evan County, and um, and I get to do my strategy. We're dealing with COVID, obviously reopening, right. but um, it'll it affords me the opportunity to do a lot of things that I like, and then be around kind of a community. And then my kids, uh, my kids grew up with all of this. Uh, I was both, just going to ask that. Yeah, yeah both in the arts. My uh, my oldest uh, directs and does improv and she's a singer and she's amazing um, and hilarious and wonderful. My youngest uh, is going to grad school uh, for social welfare in uh, New York and wow. uh, went to a high school of the arts and, uh, and then also went to CalArts for a vis the visual arts. So she's this cool. amazing, funny, creative. Uh, so I, I'm, we all kind of followed our, you know, some passions and knowing that we will never be the rich family, um, but we will be the ones that, you know, we did things. But there's a lot of, you know, it's, it's every doctor. I just went, uh, I had an endoscopy just this last week because I was getting nausea and things. That process terrified me. You're right. so afraid that they're going to find something. And mm -hmm. we, we, my wife and I, like, you know, we held our breath for, for a week. Uh, waiting to, for that process. So it all changes. Um, I'm, I'm more open to people that I know. I tell everybody my story. Um, I, anybody that, you know, any guy I meet, 
you check your, you know, how to check your polling. And you kind of do. Good. <laughs> like, I don't know Good. you, Andy. Why are you asking me this? Yes. Uh, and if you see, I think, I don't know if you saw, but if you ever saw the online, the check your colon thing that went uh, viral, just the check mark and you are and then the colon was something I created. Uh, okay. Uh, as a way to kind of get the word out and just create a uh, something on social media. And, and I mean, it's so cool. I saw some guy that uh, climbed the Himalayas with a big check your colon banner. Okay, you just send me a link to that so we okay. can put that yeah. in the show notes. That sounds yeah. cool. So, I mean, it's been, it's been a really neat ride. What is the one thing you wish you had known at the very beginning? To be a lot more in charge of my health, to be um, not necessarily cynical, but realize that doctors are humans and there are great doctors and there are some doctors that aren't that great. That there, um, uh, there are some doctors that are incredibly intuitive and really listen to you. And there are some doctors that don't. It's just like anything else. I'm not saying the whole, you know, I'm, I'm grateful. Um, but if you feel that you're not being heard of, heard from with your doctor, then find another doctor. Really First of all, I hope everybody hears that. And um, I, I think that's going to be the pull quote from this. Um, I'll tell you one of my dad's favorite jokes. What do they call the person who graduated last from med school? Doctor. Doctor. <laughs> that's great. That is awesome. That's so great. <laughs> uh, one more question. We'll get to the rapid fire. Um, if you could only do one thing to improve healthcare in the U.S., what would it be and why? I would change, uh, well, actually, I would hospital food. Oh my God, I love it. Tell me more. Um, uh, hospital food is horrible. It's still owned by these incredible organizations and big companies that are just giving the worst food for you for whatever you're getting. It does not train anybody about health. It doesn't do anything to help you through a process. My mom had colon cancer uh, a year ago. She's doing great. Oh, okay. Yeah, like wild. I remember going to the hospital and then serving her the worst food like these, you know, like, like fruit and gelatin and white bread and, um, you know, the insurer, that kind of stuff. And this is, so it seems like even though hospitals are doing things with ergonomics and, and health and process and online, the dietary considerations at hospitals are horrible. So not that it tastes, not just tastes bad, but it's also bad for you. Yeah, and I'd say yeah. that's mostly, it's, it's just horrible for you. Um, right. So that's that's one little weird one, but. I um, like it. Yeah, and I'd say that's uh, a lot of still um, big cancer organizations, unfortunately, don't really, really understand right. um, diet. And yeah. Health, you know, that, that's still something that's really interesting. Okay, I love it. Wow. Um, are you ready for a rapid fire? Okay. Okay. Beach, desert, or mountains? Um, mountains. Beach Boys, Beatles, or Rolling Stones? Beatles. What is one word that best describes you? Um, instigate. Oh, I like it. <laughs> um, before you die, what is the last song you want to hear? Um, gosh, that's a tough one. <laughs> um, Lowdown by Boss Gags. Okay. Last meal you want to eat? Uh, anything my wife makes. Ooh, I like it. Uh, last person you want to see? Uh, my wife. And the last words you will speak. Oh, uh, can I change that? My wife and kids? Yes, you can. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And my dogs. 
Yeah. Your dad. <laughs> and my mom and my father-in-law. Okay. Cool. <laughs> my dad. Oh, yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> one person wouldn't answer that question. Okay. He's like, I'm going to offend people, so I can't answer. Um, <laughs> uh, last words you will speak. Uh, that was fun. And aside from Cancer U, what is one resource that you would recommend for cancer patients and caregivers? Either the, the Colon Cancer Alliance, Colon Cancer Coalition, uh, those organizations, and really there, uh, any group that has a patient advocacy. Randy, thank you so much for sharing your story you. and for being open. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. If you like our podcast, give us a five-star rating and review and tell your friends about us. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening right now. If you want to share your cancer journey with the world and be a guest on our podcast, go to our website, cancer.university. That's cancer.university. And hit the contact button or click the contact link in the show notes. You've been listening to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. Real people, true stories.